Let's stay standing for just a minute. We just want to stretch our hands forward to pray for all of these wonderful people um, here being baptized today. And today you're their supporters. You're here to encourage them and, and, and appreciate them and, and lift them up and hold them up in prayer as they make this incredible step of discipleship today. So let's just begin to pray. Father, we thank you for every single one of these 16 people here to be baptized today, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we pray that today would be the greatest day of the rest of their new life in you. That, that starting point, Lord, where they would bring to an end the things of old and that they would step into the new life that you've prepared for them and the abundance that you've prepared for them and the, the supernatural life that you've prepared for them, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that you take them from strength to strength and from glory to glory. I thank you that as they go down into those waters, they're leaving behind the body of sin. And as they come up out of the waters, they are stepping into the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that they would enjoy that life and experience that life and that they would begin to see the thought patterns of old break off and the ways of old break off. And Lord, that they would begin to think like you would think and act and live like you would act and live. And Lord, that there'd be genuine transformation that occurs in their heart so that when they're around friends and family, they would see the difference. They would just not be uh, have a sense of religious behavior, but rather they would see a transformation that's happened from the inside out. Lord, we give you all the glory for what they, you are going to do in their lives. In Jesus' name. And we just, let's just um, keep standing. We just also want to pray uh, really quickly concerning the nation of Ghana. You, you may know that they lost their president recently to throat cancer. Many of the members of our church are from Ghana. And we just want to stand with them and encourage them and support them at this time and pray that God will continue to lead that nation. Uh, if, you, if you do know this, that Ghana is one of the foremost nations in Africa for democracy. And they've been a shining light and an example on how to uh, hold free elections and really have been progressive in that area and so we want to pray that they would continue in that direction and be a supporting uh, have the support of the nations around them as well as they do that so let's just pray father we lift up the nation of ghana and every member of kensington temple who is from ghana lord jesus at this time as they mourn the passing of their president and lord we ask for your favor and your grace upon the incoming president the vice president who's taking office and lord we pray that you give him wisdom to guide this nation at this time lord that you would comfort the hearts of the people that you would bring them together in unity let there be a strong sense of leadership in that nation, Father. And Lord, we also thank you and look forward to December when they have the upcoming election, Lord God, that there would be a real leader of your choice that is put in there, Father. And Lord, that nation would continue to shine uh, for your glory in that nation, in, in that continent, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we also thank you for today's message. Lord, we thank you for those that struggle with fear, that today is a day when fear would be broken off of those, their, their lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that perfect love casts out fear. And so we ask for the presence of your Holy Spirit this afternoon. We ask, Lord, that you'd begin to pour out your love and your, a demonstration of your heart towards every one of your children here today. Lord, that there's stirring them a real sense of the fact that they can trust you. A real sense of the fact that in every single area of their lives, you have their best interests at heart. A desire to see them progress, a desire to see them victorious, a desire to see them living out your kingdom purposes here in the land where you've placed them. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, that in addition to just hearing the word, that be a real inner working of the Spirit, which brings a deep transformation, that your people would go free today from the bondages and limitations of fear. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. It's great to be here with you here today. 
Originally, Dudley was going to be ministering today. Unfortunately, due to a, a diary clash, he's unable to be here. But I'm really happy to be with, here with you. I really wanted to share on this message when we originally put the series together. And so God knows what he's doing. He also knows what he's doing when he gave me three Sundays holiday. So I'm going to not be with you for the next three Sundays, but we'll see you shortly afterwards. I just mentioned that to you because sometimes when we go away for that, that kind of a length of time, people come back and they're like, where have you been? We thought you left. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going for a break, and then I'll be coming back to fulfill the role of being a dean in the Bible school. Amen. How many of you were able to watch the Olympic um, opening ceremony on Friday night? Do you enjoy it? It really was fantastic. And what was so amazing amidst all of the humor and seeing the queen jump out of a helicopter and appear miraculously in the same dress and Mr. Bean with his keyboard skills was to hear the, the great hymns, Jerusalem being sung and then Abide With Me being sung during a, a later p- artistic piece. It was so good that there was an unashamed declaration that we're still a Christian nation right in the center of that welcome. Amen. But we all know as well that there's been some problems amidst all of the fun that they were having yesterday, one of the major problems being the empty seats. Oh, can you imagine that? And people watching on TV and thinking, we were told that all of the tickets were sold out, and that's a political thing that we're not going to discuss. But you see, there's a difference between having empty seats and then having a full crowd ready to support you, ready to stand behind you, ready to cheer you on as a team, ready to encourage you in where you're going. And so many of the football teams in the world thrive off and, and, and live off the, the supporters' adulation and encouragement. And, and it's so important to see people stepping up to another level and stepping beyond their limitations because of the support that they have coming in behind them. And I want to ask you today, do you know that you have a crowd supporting you? Yes? Do you know that you have a whole host of people? Oh, it's, I think we can come to an end with the photos. It's, the illustration's done. Thank you so much, Jason. Appreciate that. But we all have a crowd that is supporting us and, and rooting for us and, and believing God for us. And it'd be quite easy for us to look around if we're a bit of an individual or um, don't really have a, a very big circle of friends and say, well, yeah, no, I don't. But I want to begin to unpack for you this idea that we do have a whole host of people that are cheering us on and believing God for us. Some of them, some of them we don't know yet. Some of them we're going to get to know in eternity. Some of them we're going to get to know in later stages of our lives. Some of us, we are even now becoming aware that they are going to be important people in our lives. But to begin to progress and develop a relationship with that crowd or with the people that God is calling to be around us or even now are in heaven praying for us and, and just like cheering us on as we do what we're doing, we need to begin to understand how we can move away from fear to actually allow the crowd to become an influence in our lives. Um, And I know that in a room this big, it's quite easy to pick out that there will be many people who struggle with fear in some form or another. And we just want to test that real quick. So all of you, you're not too shy to put your hands up, are you? Just put your hands up and wave in the air for me. One of them if you need to. Okay, keep your hand up and waving if you would say, honestly, I do struggle with fear. Keep it waving if you would think, you know, I would hate to stand up in public and have to talk about anything in front of people. So all of you people that have your hands up in the air, we've got about two hours. Why don't you just come and share for a minute? 
panic sets in. Dan came up with that idea. It was a good one. Thank you, sir. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's so true that we, we immediately begin to freeze when we think about, hang on, hold on, me put my life out there? Me uh, let other people begin to speak into my situation or be a bit real with what's going on in my life and the struggles that I'm facing? You know, don't, people don't care. They're way too busy to think about me, or they're way too critical for me to want to let them into my life, or they're really not somebody that I want to hang around or let know secrets about me. And so we get very good at putting up a number of boundaries, which we're going to unpack in a bit. But I want you to come to terms with the idea, hopefully through today, that it is so important that we overcome that fear and we begin to allow the right type of a crowd into our life. Now, let's just unpack a, a little bit of, of the type of crowd you might have in your, in your life. First is the passive ones. You know, the ones that never really spend very much time with you, the, the ones that only just know your name. But when you do something stupid, or when you do something that's controversial, suddenly, hey, did you see what they did? Oh, can you believe what they were wearing today in church? And the way that they did their hair, goodness me, and they call themselves a Christian. And look, they had this look of anger on their face for just a moment. It, it, who cares that they just stubbed their toe? They had no permission to look angry in that moment in time. And there's all this criticism that suddenly comes alive because the passive crowd has got interested in something stupid or embarrassing or non-Christian that you might have done. A second kind of a crowd you might come across is, is the hostile crowd. The openly, we don't like you because of the way you look, the, the things you do, the things you say, the kind of person you are. Think of the woman caught in adultery. She was facing a hostile crowd. You know, the, the Sanhedrin had brought her and cast her before Jesus, and Jesus was obviously there with his disciples. And so all of these people are looking in scorn at a lady who, um, you know, had probably been told or been involved in some kind of a genuine romantic relationship and brought into a public sphere where there was a hostile atmosphere. Well, think about Jesus. The amazing thing about Jesus was one Sunday, they're chopping leaves off of the palm trees and laying them on the floor so that Jesus can parade into Jerusalem as the conquering king. But then just a week later, they are there cursing him, demanding that they crucify him, demanding that he be put to death. A hostile crowd. Or maybe there's a third, the, the active crowd. Now, this is the kind of a crowd that I, I like. And that's the crowd that's in your corner. That's the crowd that look at the things you do and believe the best about you. Who see the mistakes you make, but understand that there is something greater in you that is being brought out through the trial of the situation which you're facing right now. And some of them are living and involved in your life right now, and some of them are in another life, cheering you on. You might think I sound a little bit crazy saying something like that. But Hebrews 12 verse 1, right after that passage where it speaks about the great heroes of faith that have gone before us and done great exploits in faith, in Hebrews 12 verse 1 it says, Therefore, because we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let us press on. All of those that have gone before in the walk of faith are now turning around to us who are coming behind them and saying, Come on. We believe in you. We've done great exploits in faith. We believe that you are going to do great exploits in faith as well. And you see, of those three, the passive crowd, the hostile crowd, the active crowd, the first two are fickle. They can be with you in one minute, 
But the moment you do something that doesn't please them or, or, or have an opinion that doesn't flow with their flow, they begin to go against you. And Chinese whispers happen all around. But the active crowd, that's the crowd that we need to develop a relationship with. Why, you might say. Why? The reality is that your life, my life, our lives, the purpose of life is to bring about the kingdom of God here on the earth. You might say the purpose of life, we've unpacked some of this over previous sermons and living the dream and that kind of stuff, but you might think that the purpose of life is to have the big house, the big car, etc., etc. But the purpose of life is whatever sphere of life God has placed you in, to be able to establish the kingdom of God right there. And what that is, is about learning to love God and learning to love your neighbor as you love yourself. We need the crowd around us. We need the family, the church family, in order to begin to grow fully into that. We cannot express the kingdom of God as a lone individual. We cannot express love on our own. Because firstly, when we're on our own, we don't necessarily learn how to love ourselves. And secondly, how then do we learn to love our neighbor as we have loved ourselves? See, this is part of a growing dynamic which happens as we walk out this, this life that God has given us. And so it means that if that is the place where we need to get to, a place where we have a crowd around us, but rather an active crowd, a crowd that is behind us and with us in the walk that has, God has given us, then we need to face certain things. The first is a fear of the crowd. A fear of the crowd. Now, in this sort of a scenario, most people would panic when they're in this sort of a scenario if they were me, standing on the platform. Because they would look out and they would see a lot of people that they don't know. And what's good is that over the, the fact that I've had probably the last five or six sermons here on a Sunday, I've gotten to know many of the faces that are new, in addition to all of the faces that I already knew for those who are regular here in the church. And so I feel like I know you. I hope that's all right. Um, but if you were here in my place and it was your first time, there would be a, a genuine fear because there's all these people out here, you know, what if I stumble my words and what if I look silly and what if I've got something stuck in my teeth from lunchtime and I didn't fix that? And there's this fear of exposing life to people, especially my life. And you know, one of the challenges of trust that, for example, I would share with you guys a lot is my testimony. You know, and, and some people would say, well, I would never give a testimony. And I, I simply trust you guys that you're going to interpret the best of what I share with you about my life. And I hope that you would do the same with people around you. But you see, there's a fear. And often with the, the kinds of crowds that I'm talking about, the passive and the hostile crowds, what they'll do is they'll jump on things that you share that are wrong or, or sinful, perhaps, or the mistakes that you've made. So, you know, when I often talk about the history that I had with alcoholism, then there would be this... Oh, the pastor at Kensington Temple used to have a problem with alcohol. Can you believe it? And who is he to be preaching right now? And how dare he? I don't really care. Jesus has forgiven me that. I walked free from that addiction. So praise the Lord. But you see, a fear of the crowd might prevent you from making that step. And it can happen in a two and a three. I can't tell you about myself because you might take some of that which I disclose about myself and use it against me and use it to ruin my reputation or use it to try and make me to be somebody that I'm not. And so we often end up choosing to make ourselves somebody that we're not in order to please the crowd. Rather than let you tell me who I should be because of what your values are, let me define who I'm going to be by the values I think you think I should have and live in a cage. 
It's often the way that it happens, so that we have some sense of control. But we need to learn to distinguish from the types of crowd that are in front of us. In that group of three that might be immediately in front of you, are they hostile? Are they passive? Or are they actively in your corner? And you see, that's the distinction. Oftentimes, when we start to talk about giving a gift of trust to people, everyone's immediate response to that is, yeah, yeah, but I don't have to trust everybody, do I? And no, you don't have to trust everybody. But you have to be discerning about who is in front of you and the people that you can trust because you need to trust somebody. We're not saying go around trusting everybody, but you have to trust somebody with your life. And so take a look at the crowd around you. And hang on, that person is really in my corner. I'm going to build a strong friendship with that person. This person at the moment, maybe they seem a bit passive. It might be that they... Um, uh, just having a lot of, uh, they're busy in life, they might have a lot of other stuff on, so they're not able to focus on building a friendship with you. Watch, see how that goes. Another person, hostile perhaps, might have a genuine heart in them. And some of the behaviors that they are reacting to against in you are things that they've struggled with with other people previously. Maybe it's a growth area for them. They might be still be somebody that you could build a friendship with. But then there are other people that are just hostile, hostile, God bless them, leave them. Let the Lord work on their lives. But you see, you need to develop and start to develop a friendship crowd around you, a group of people who are going to become your team, a group of people who are going to be on your side. And one of the challenges just to put out there for you, if you already do have a close group of friends, is that maturing as a Christian will involve you taking feedback and encouragement from a wider, wider group. Maybe people who don't think that the sun shines out of your face. Or that everything you do is fantastic. You know, maybe some people who have a bit of constructive feedback for you. Maybe that would be a process whereby you could mature and, and whereby you could grow. See, a lot of people will make a decision. They'll make a decision that if they cannot trust one person in a group, that they're going to impose themselves in isolation. And this is what I'm trying to turn around for you. Let me pitch this up a different way for you. You come to Kensington Temple, you, you think it's fantastic, you love the worship, you love the word, you always get a good, strong, meaty word here in KT, which is fantastic. But, and then they, you hear them talk about joining a cell. And so you go away and join a cell. And you haven't had a chance yet to join, get to know people really that well and develop that much of a relationship with them. And, and then something happens in your life. Maybe you lose your job, or maybe you... Um, lose a loved one, or maybe somebody gets sick, or maybe you get, drop into debt somehow. This is what happens to everybody, unless they've built these friendships. I've messed up. Maybe I um, just need to take some time out from the church. Maybe I just need to um, seek the Lord and make sure that I get things right, and you know, I'm just wrestling a bit. And so I'm just going to go home on my own and get perfect and come back to church and act like I was always perfect the whole time. I just was distracted with other things. Instead of letting on the truth of the fact that we have stumbled in an area. You see, the problem with that dynamic, which everybody seems to go through, um, and let me counsel you, wisdom would be that you don't do that. The most profound wisdom maybe that we can come up with in the church is don't leave the people that have supported you. Why? Because if you end up there, you're in deception. Because the reason is the devil's trying to teach you that you can grow into Christ-likeness without being connected to the body of Christ. 
And without being connected to the ones who can encourage you and lift you up and, and challenge you and remind you of who you are and remind you that God has forgiven all your sin and that he's calling you to be a son and daughter of God and that there is fullness of life for you to step back into. That's what I'm talking about. If you're kind of wondering what I mean about getting a crowd, a team around you to begin to lift you. Don't isolate yourself. But secondly, there's a group of people who might say, well, I'm introverted, you know. I I really kind of prefer time on my own. Sure, I know lots of introverts, but I know introverts that are really extroverts at heart. They're just pretending that they're introverted. The reason I know that is if you look at their schedules, they're spending time with people all the time. The only thing that they're forgetting is to put time in on their own and making sure that they look after themselves. But you see, really, introverted people still need friendships, just like extroverted people still need friendships. So I'm talking to pretty much all of you here, okay? Nice little trick that I did just then. Have we got some introverts here in the house? We've got some extroverts here in the house? And we've got a lot of people who are just trying to stay neutrally in the middle, or your arms have got lazy and... But you see, there's a powerful dynamic that begins to happen when you allow a team, a crowd, a team to begin to get involved in your life. The first is this, that just one person believing in you is enough to turn your life around. Just look at the woman caught in adultery. Just Jesus believing in her caused her to turn 180 degrees and begin to walk free in Christ. So allowing that relationship to develop can position you to begin to progress in a different direction. The second thing is that those who are hostile to you can become your biggest fans when they begin to see what you're standing for, when they begin to see the genuine fruits of a life that you're living for God. See, they respond when they see you being more fully you than, they've ever, than you've ever been before. When people begin to see the genuine quality of the work of God in your heart, they see genuineness. And they begin to respond to that. Previously, they would have been hostile, but now they begin to see what God has really done in you. They'll come around. They'll be on your side. It's fantastic to begin to see people change and their hearts transformed as well as you walk with your heart being transformed and walking out into the destiny that God has for you. See, the crowd that counts are those that are going to be in your corner because they see what God has done in your life and in your heart. But thirdly, the maturing step beyond this, we've gone from a place of brokenness perhaps or having messed up where one person has caused us to turn around, a, a group have begun to get around us and believe in us as we step on. But then maybe this third maturing point is, is when we have the opportunity to swing a crowd for Jesus. Where maybe perhaps a crowd might be a, a group of old friends that you used to have who are still drinking but you now come into that environment as someone that they love and respect and believe in and are able to influence them for Christ and bring them into a, deep, into a revelation of Christ. Or maybe in your cell group, you're able, because of the relationships you've built, to lead them corporately into a deeper relationship with God. And so right from being influenced by the crowd, right through to being an influencer, there are positive things that we can begin to draw out of that experience. So let me just begin to break down for you. How do we begin to deal with our fear of the crowd? How do we begin to face up to our fear of people or being put in situations that we find awkward? The first is this. Take responsibility for you. Take responsibility for you. In that story I shared earlier about the person leaving the cell group, you know what happens so often? We justify our action by blaming somebody else. 
You know what? They just don't understand how I feel. They just don't get me. Have you let them know about you? Have you let them know about what you're struggling with? Have you let them know the things that are going on in your heart? How do you expect them to help you when you don't show them who you are? We can't blame other people when we have gone and sat in a meeting every week or, or just live life without ever disclosing. You know, if only they knew what, the, what I was dealing with back home, you know, that my brother is sick in hospital and my parents died when I was, you know, young. And I'm struggling with these issues. But if you don't let people know, how do you expect them to help you? Equally, we can begin to blame other people when we're desiring to hold to ourselves idols in our own lives. You know what? Those Christians, they're just so judgmental. They just judge me because I still love going around sleeping around with people. Okay. Let's just unpack that a little bit. You want to carry on enjoying sin, but you also want to have a relationship with the Lord. The two are incompatible. And so, of course, a Christian is going to highlight that to you so that you're aware that you can step away from and step out of that sin and enjoy a fulfilling walk with the Lord. Oh no, but because they don't understand me, I'm justified to carry on in my sin. We need to take responsibility for us, firstly. The next step on from that is, okay, listen, I get it. I'm angry, but I'm angry. It might have been something that you did, but I'm angry. So why am I angry? How can I deal with my anger? First, I can forgive. First, I can forgive. Then I can go back and say, listen, I, I really struggled with something that you said, um, and it, it cut me deep. Can I just clarify what you meant and restore the relationship? Not, I just need to tell you what you did to me, and then I've got to forgive you when you say sorry. <laughs> Sometimes we do that. The first thing we can do is forgive. And you see, this is part of the journey to giving somebody a gift of trust. People deserve trust. Some people don't. But generally, people do. If you know that somebody has a problem with their words and they can't keep hold their own water, then be careful about what you uh, divulge to them. But generally, people, when you give them a gift of trust, they begin to come alive themselves. And being able to trust somebody requires that you're also able to forgive them because they're imperfect, just like you're imperfect. We sometimes hold people to a crazy standard of perfection that we will never live ourselves. So being able to forgive and to trust and forgive and to trust is a key to beginning to build an important dynamic with friends who become your team. On from that, you're going to see that as you develop that friendship, those friendships, that key encouragement and belief and affirmation is available to you. Now, there are challenges of do you go seeking for that affirmation as a means of self-importance and self-worth. That you're going to have to work through with the Lord. It's, it is an issue that many people will struggle with. But we do need affirmation. We do need encouragement from our friends. What we don't need is to take praise or take glory from them. Do you understand? When we take praise and glory as if to say, yes, look what I did. Thank you for noticing how great I was. And you saw it as well. That was so good. Thank you. Without actually looking to the Lord, just looking to this great image of ourselves that we are projecting into the future. See, the issue is, when we start to take praise and glory away from what God has done in our hearts, then we're into error. But encouragement and affirmation and recognition of what God is doing in us is excellent. And as that begins to develop, that 
ability and that feedback begins to develop amongst your group, then you'll begin to see yourself growing into being the person that God is calling you to be. See, some, so many of us actually have a load of blind spots. Some of you might say, no, I know myself fully and perfectly. I am as if God to myself. But the issue is, is that we do have many blind spots, and we do need people to come and encourage and give us feedback so that we become aware of those things. But then as you do that, as you've grown to a place of, uh, of, of some sort of self-awareness and knowing who you are in Christ, then you can start to lead people um, and also help them. You don't walk in fear of man any longer, but you, you're able to make perhaps unpopular, perhaps difficult decisions, but because now you know who you are and you're about leading people deeper into their relationship with the Lord. Some of you might say, well, that all sounds very easy, but I don't have an issue of forgiveness. It's not an issue of forgiveness. I find myself in situations where I just begin to panic and anxiety begins to take over and I begin to sweat and, you know, the adrenaline's pumping through my body and I just, you know, I just have to fight to control myself. And you see, in that kind of a situation, perhaps there might be something more deeply rooted working in your life. There might be a fear thing that's going on. And some people, a lot of people in the world, tend to medicate those uh, explosive reactions through drugs, through alcohol, through some form of escapism where they be- can begin to step into a realm of uh, being somebody else, behaving like somebody else so that they can be free in front of the group. You know, so many people do turn to alcohol. I turn to alcohol in order to be freer around people. I didn't feel that I had much to offer in terms of a, uh, a genuine conversation when I was um, sober, and so it would be that would be one of the major motivations for for drinking, and so we we do that, and we somehow conquer the fear with a drug, be it adrenaline, be it some form of intoxicating drug. But you see, when I became a Christian, one of the things the Lord began to work in me, and, and will definitely be working in you, is this important dynamic that we're not about overcoming fear with adrenaline, psyching ourselves up, getting over the boundaries by, by doing something. Rather, it's about dealing with the issues of fear. And in 1 John 4:18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. And it's a simple challenge to us as uh, for those of you who do struggle with anxiety, it's a terrible thing. I do know people who do struggle with anxiety. But the issue is, is beginning to address the issues of fear that are in your life that are giving rise to that anxiety. When you were young, were you told that you, would, um, you never had anything good to say? When you were young, were you told that you, you were an idiot and you just couldn't communicate the words properly that you wanted to be able to communicate? Or did people laugh at you because something stupid happened to you Maybe, you know, maybe a bully did something to you in front of the crowd and everyone was laughing at you and pointing at you and, and you became embarrassed and just began to hide away rather than be out in, in the playground with, with your mates. There are all these sort of things which can underlie or perhaps something shameful and embarrassing happened to you and whenever you find yourself in that kind of a situation again, you begin to panic and get worried and get upset. Those things can be dealt with. And it can be dealt with through this dynamic of allowing the love of the Lord to speak into those areas of our heart which have been, trans- that which have been damaged by the actions of men. Love can speak to the being of our hearts. And so as we stand increasingly in his love, as we stand increasingly in who God is calling us to be, instead of being people that are afraid of an environment we can become people that influence 
an environment. Instead of being people that are afraid of people, we can become people that love people. Overcoming this fear of the crowd is so much about walking away from the things that have previously debilitated us and becoming people that can influence because of the work of God in our heart. I want to just unpack one more idea for you. It's this idea of what happens when I come to church and what are people thinking of me when I'm in church. And the way that I want to address this is with this idea of understanding what sort of a season you're in. See, there is a difference between training time and competition time. Sometimes people who are also driven by fear and concerned about what other people think about them, and maybe they're in a stage where they're dealing with the issues of fear, maybe they're not. But because of that sense of needing to perform, and especially with a perception of Christianity which lives by the rules and has to be good people, we might fall into the step of everything being a competition. And so from the moment that we step outside of the door of our house, we are on Christian mode, on performance time. Hello, brother. How are you? Yes, I'm blessed today. The Lord has been so good in my daily readings. I didn't ask you about your daily readings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I need to tell you that I was in Romans 8 today, and the Lord says that to you that nothing that is too high, too deep, too wide, too, too long to separate you from the love of God. You, my brother. I just had to share that with you. And, and also, you're looking really good today. And The performance comes out. And we begin to act Christian instead of being Christian. And the thing is, the more we go on about performance mode, the more people begin to see that you're faking it. And the more people see that there are weaknesses that you're covering that you think that you're being successful in covering from other people, but really they're seeing more obviously because of how obvious you're being. And there's this sense, I need to be on top with my game face always on. Because if I fail, then I'm going to have to isolate myself again. Then I'm going to be, you know, the grade F out of an A grade class. And I'm just going to have to pull out until I get my grade A back. And then I'll go back into that class. But you see, church is training ground. Church is where you come and you stand with your brothers and your sisters in cells, in congregations, and grow. That means your weaknesses get exposed. That means your failures get shared. It means the areas where you failed, you get strengthened by the brothers and sisters who God has placed around you so that you can become a competitor, so that you can live genuine in the world for Christ, so that your light can shine. See, many people hear that verse, let your light so shine before men, and they look at their lives and think, I'm struggling, I can't do that light shining thing. The way you get to do that light shining thing is you open up your weaknesses to your brothers and sisters and let them help you through it. Let them help you with the renewal of your mind that needs to take place. Let them tell you the difficult things that you need to hear so that you can grow. Oh, you know, I can possibly allow somebody to... You know, I'm most blessed by the conversations that I have with my 12 where they tell me things that I need to improve on. Where they give me feedback about some of the attitudes that I have. Training. So that when we go into competitor environments, where we go into places where people are going to be hostile towards us as Christians, there we can begin to bring a difference. There we can begin to make a change. We can show the crowd something that they had thought would be impossible. We can show the crowd what it is for a timid person to be made a bold lion in the face 
of opposition. We can show the unbelieving atheist what it is to see a miracle happen right in front of their eyes. I'm going to love that so good when I start to see people healed right in front of atheists. I'm going to be like, prove this wrong. You saw it with your own eyes. Hallelujah. Training, competition. Understand what season you're in. Church is your training ground. Church is where people are here to encourage you. Church is where people are here to love you. Oh, well, they didn't love me very well. They didn't even remember my name. Did you tell them your name? More than once. I need to hear a name at least five times and then I'll remember it. But then I'll remember it for the rest of your life. Training. So that in the public realm, we can go into competition. We can be living for Christ in that place. So let me just read this verse to you. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, who's gone before us, who's blazed a trail for us, shown us how to live a life of faith. Let's learn to grow from being inside, introvert, inward-focused, to being people that build relationship and establish a relationship from the crowd and begin to step out as a team and begin to accomplish all that Jesus is calling us to accomplish. Amen. Let's praise the Lord, shall we? Father, we thank you for the fact that you have made a way for fear to be broken off of our lives and for your perfect love to enter in. And Lord, we desire to become those people that learn to feed from our environment, the friends, the team that you've placed around us, and to grow strong in your purpose for our lives. And so, Lord, I ask by the Spirit of God that you just begin to take out and root out anything that you've highlighted by the spirit of fear that exists in the hearts of your people. And, Lord, in a place of fear that you would shine your perfect love. And, Lord, that they would begin to see the, the, the passion that you have for them, the desire you have for them, the love you have for them, the belief that you have in them, and that they would begin to trust and open up to those around them, begin to feed off the environment, and begin to grow to be the people that you have called them to be. Lord, we bless you for your work in their lives, that your name would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.